Now, normally we chuck in a reference to a topical news story in the intro, but I'm sure, dear listener, you're as fed up of the big story in the UK as we are. Yes, more Exeter than Brexiter. This is the Totally Football League Show. Yep, it's me, back once again with the ill behaviour. They call me Matt Davis-Adams, but these days I'm more like Tony Parks, caretaker extraordinaire. Alongside me this week, I have a triumvirate of chatters. Let's flip the script and say hello first to our betting expert. Don't ask him about bolt-on, do ask him about odds-on. He knows when to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk away and when to run. From William Hill, it's Joe Crilly. Hello there. Next up, a man who back in 2016, when asked by the East Anglian Daily Times to compare himself to Shefki Kucci, said, Shefki was probably a better header of the ball than me and was quicker than me. But did I have more natural ability than him? Every day of the week, I think. Who are we to argue with that? He used to play his trade as a striker in the FL. Now he analyses it. Is Keith Andrews better looking? Probably. Is David Prutton quicker with an auto cue? Yep. Does Sam Parkin have more natural ability in front of camera and behind a mic than both of them put together? No doubt. Hi, Sam. Good morning, Matt. Worse hair than <laughs> all of the before mentioned. Last but by no means least, you know, in the late substitution just works out perfectly. Solskjaer in 99, Tim Krul in the 2014 World Cup. Well, today we've made a late change, which we hope will be just as effective. Adrian Clark isn't available for selection this week. So on in his place and perfectly placed to talk about the latest drama at his beloved Birmingham City. It's a big welcome back to TalkSport's Ian Danter. Good morning. There are calls from the people, OK, person for us to do a Steve Bruce off. You, you've got a good Bruce in your repertoire. Hey, well, you know... We give ourselves a chance and, you know, to be brutally honest with you, we're into the tickly bit and, uh, you know, we give ourselves a chance and all the rest of it. So, you know, lay the candle for us. It's about our home record. You know, the chairman said, I mean, he's been terrific since we got here, to be fair. You know, if we can get our home record sorted, it's a fantastic club. This And people have been absolutely brilliant with me personally and, and so on and et cetera. Well, well, who wins then? Let's ask Joe and Sam. It's just, you just put a W before every Y. Yeah. Instead of every Y. Yeah. <laughs> ourselves a chance. It's good. Did you reckon, Joe? Can I sell that they were both equally brilliant? <laughs> I, right. I thought I thought Steve Bruce was talking to Steve. Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do for me. <laughs> All right, that's the increasingly laboured introductions done. Let's discuss some things that have happened in the wide, wide world of the EFL over the last seven days. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. No matches in the championship this weekend, but it was all about the. Is there enough ABBA on this podcast? Yes, yes, there is. Dance is a rock enthusiast. You'd have gone for Pink Floyd money. In no, there, I'm quite happy with ABBA. I, I, I have a wider musical taste than, um, than you would possibly imagine. <laughs> I'll happily go for that. So let's start with your Birmingham City. Deducted nine points for breaching profitability and sustainability rules. The FL said they incurred losses of nearly 48.8 million between 2015 and 2018. They dropped from 13th to 18th, five points clear of the relegation zone with eight games to play. What's been the reaction of you and your fellow Blue Noses? Were you surprised by the severity of the punishment? No, I thought it was going to be worse. Most Birmingham fans fully expected a 12-point deduction and we were braced for it. Uh, so when nine points came up uh, as the final verdict, there was actually an element of relief. Hard, strange that that may sound, that it was only nine points. So the reaction's been, right, let's go to work. We've got a lot of very important games to come. The next three are against teams all battling for automatic promotion in West Brom. You could still say they're kind of in the hunt for automatic. Sheffield United and Leeds definitely are, of course. So it's, it's a chance for, for Gary Monk uh, and everyone to kind of press the reset button because we've lost a few in a row. I think three or four in a row we've lost, including the um, the Villa derby. So it's time to get things right on the pitch again, which, by and large, Gary Monk, James Beattie, Pep Plutter have got absolutely spot on this season with a waffer-thin squad. He has done astounding work. I can't, I, I can't use any other word to describe what he's done with what he was left behind. Astounding work. But there's a lot of people to blame. And, and not just in terms of the nine points being slightly lenient. Do, do you feel kind of glad that it's come now rather than, say, at the start of next season? That was another rumour that it could have been held over till the, the start of the next campaign, which would have been a real kick in the you-know-what. This is a kick in the you-know-whats anyway because five points clear of relegation is not great. It's another relegation scrap for Birmingham. But there's lots of people who are complicit in this. There is no one person to blame for what's happened. But I will throw lots of names into the mix here. Darren Dean, son of David Dean, football agent who represented a lot of the players that came in. And 
negotiated some of the most ludicrous wages I've ever heard a championship club bring in. Jeff Fatir, the director of football, equally complicit in signing off these these names on massive money. I would also say Schwandon uh, Ren, the owner, who signed the cheques and was had no compunction about letting this go through. Also, the two managers concerned, Gianfranco Zola and Harry Redknapp, do not get away scot-free. Harry Redknapp thinks he does. He tried to control the narrative the night before the verdict was handed down, giving an interview to The Independent, saying, the usual shtick, it's not my fault, Gov. Um, I didn't know nothing. Uh, these weren't my players. Sorry, Harry, I don't buy it. You cannot be a director of football, as he was at Portsmouth, and not have an inkling that a club with no fresh investment and no parachute payments were bringing in 14 players on deadline day, including one in Hotter, for six million quid, and not wonder where the money's coming from? Do me a favour. Sam, you've, you've been in a sort of similar predicament during your time at Luton. How does it affect players when this kind of thing happens? It's got to be a sense of, this isn't our fault. Why are we all of a sudden going from a potential promotion push into a relegation battle? Yeah, there's definitely a bit of that, and that's why I'd, I'd echo the sentiment of, of Dance. They're fortunate that it's come now and not the start of next season because that could have had big repercussions on Gary Monk's squad morale going into a new season, that possible recruitment, if that was going to be an opportunity to bring in new players. I think it's quite lenient, to be honest, because I don't think they're going to get relegated. I think they'll probably... If you look at their good performances this season away at Ellen Road, for example, I think they're likely to spring a surprise in the next three games. They probably only need three or four points. If you look at Rotherham's fixtures that remain, I think they'll probably do that and you know, probably creep over the line given that they've got some tough games against the teams down the bottom. So I think it's been a little bit lenient and we'll have to see if there's you know repercussions for some of these other clubs that could be in danger as well. Mm, well, you say that. Christopher Iddens tweeted at the Totally Show to ask how likely is it at least one team in the EFL will go into administration before May? We'll, we'll come on to Port Vale later. That's kind of a separate case. But reports the likes of Derby, Villa and Sheffield Wednesday could also come under scrutiny. And the, the EFL have set a precedent now, haven't they? You're looking at nine points minimum. Brand new rules. This is why Birmingham were banged to rights because this was part of brand new jurisdiction that had been brought in this season by the EFL on profitability and sustainability, different to the rules that the Premier League have. Let's make that distinction because Premier League clubs, of course, have got much better cash flow and turnover. But a reminder that for every £100 that Birmingham City were earning, they were spending 202 That's outrageous. And there are other clubs, I think Reading are another club who are in a, who were, at least were in a similar position of the, the spending uh, wages to turnover and many clubs in the championship are well over 100% in terms of wages to turnover which is really disappointing and yes I, I think there could be a number of clubs who unless they get their accounting house in order quick sharp and Birmingham are including that Birmingham are not out, out of the woods yet by any stretch of the imagination we've still got a lot of work to do as a club to prevent getting another punishment further down the line the splurge was made, you know, that the spending was, was done in that era, the 2016-17, but the wages are still there. On the football side, I wanted to say, I know Che Adams is in magnificent form, but my concern looking at the the way they've been performing, Birmingham, is there's no goals from anywhere else in that team. I think Jukovic has gone 21 games without a goal now. Jota's got one in 25. That's my only concern uh, moving forward. If anything was to happen to Che Adams... I would worry for them. And me and Dance did a game quite recently. And as good as they are setting up, and I think Gary Monk actually came over to me and Dance and had a, a good conversation at full yeah, time. Yeah. Great fella. And I think I, I totally agree. I've got so much admiration for what he's been doing, pulling up trees with the squad that he inherited there, not being able to bring anyone in. I just think maybe they're a little bit predictable at times. And I know he's mixed things up a little bit. He's played a diamond, tried Jota in a different position. But that would be my one concern moving forward but I just do feel there's, there's something inside me that thinks they'll they'll upset one of the bigger clubs he's right I mean we're, it's a paper thin squad as I mentioned but with Che Adams not scoring for a while the one good thing just quickly for Birmingham is that Isaac Vassell is back fit mm. who's the one member of the squad he got injured in the Birmingham derby last season he's been out for some time but he's quick he's, he's something that Birmingham don't really have because Adams is fairly quick but Vassell is rapid. Alright well we'll see how that develops now that the financial unpleasantness is out of the way we'll get on to some football League One we're coming for you Make this an every Saturday super with the Super Saturday Reloaded coupon from William Hill available in all William Hill branches across the UK 
With more prizes on offer than ever before, your new Super Saturday competitions offer you the chance to win a share of £1 million and some additional extra goodies specific to your region. All you have to do is select the number of goals, corners and cards across three selected football matches. Super Saturday football and racing competitions are free to enter when you bet £10 at your local William Hill. T's and C's apply. You can find out more at williamhill.com. And remember, when the fun stops, stop. League One, as we know, the bottom of the table is bonkers. Gillingham in 12th, five points above Walsall, who occupy the final relegation place. A win for Oxford took them up six places. Poor old Joe's going to try and make sense of the relegation odds later. First, though, to Roots Hall. A hat-trick of manager sackings to speak about this week, and we'll start with the most recent. Chris Powell, sacked by Southend. It is with much regret that the club has this morning terminated Chris Powell's contract. The results over a number of weeks, 11 games without a win, has impacted all concerned and immediate changes need to be made. The club's interests are paramount, but the board are nevertheless disappointed to see Chris Powell leave. Head of the club's highly successful academy, Ricky Duncan, will take temporary charge of the first-team squad. There's only one man we could ask to come on and discuss this sensitive matter. Unfortunately, he's already stated he's ill. So we'll turn to Ian McIntosh instead. Ian, your boy, Chris Powell, you were so happy when he was appointed and you look so sad today. Where did it all go wrong for him? Oh, it's a really sad day, but no manager could have come through that kind of injury crisis. I mean, it's been so many players and for so long. Uh, generally, at any given time, 10 to 12 players out, including strikers like Harper, who made such a great start, including the goalkeeper, including Ben Coker, and the list just went on and on and on. And at that point, it just becomes practically impossible to get any kind of cohesion in the team. And you can see with the, the tactical shifts and the personnel shifts, and he's tried absolutely everything, and it's just fallen away. Saturday at Peterborough, you know, a team doing all right in the league, but haven't been brilliant under Darren Ferguson. It wasn't a particularly great performance. Clarkey told us a couple of weeks ago that they'd had a meeting with the chairman and the staff and they decided to keep going for a bit longer, but not that much longer, as it turns out. No. Is this a kind of, we're looking at other clubs down near the bottom who've made these changes and, you know, sort of work for them. You think about Rochdale in particular, seven points from nine since Keith Hill left and we might as well just, just give this a roll of the dice. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, that only sort of happens in football and no other industries where it is considered an, a legitimate business plan to go, ah, it's not working, try literally anything else, anything, uh, try that bloke, him, that might work. And sometimes, you know, as with Sunderland and Paolo Di Canio a few times, absolutely ludicrous decisions can actually have short-term benefits. Maybe that will happen. Ricky Duncan, good club man, great youth academy coach change of voice something a little different it might do something but I don't really think this is a question of Chris Powell not being a good enough football manager we know that Chris Powell is a more than good enough football manager it's just it's practically impossible to do that job under under those conditions So Ricky Duncan then a bit of a hospital pass from the board on the statement head of the club's highly successful academy <laughs> is, is that that's just trying to soften the fans reaction to it presumably but he wouldn't have written it like that if he was writing his own introduction to the job He is a, a very very good at his job bringing in players like Drew Yearwood being testament to that but you know the, the list goes goes all the way back I mean it's not the first time that he's he's taken the reins I don't think actually the reaction from the fans is going to be that bad it had been a very very long run of bad results I think football supporters are far more impatient these days and far more uh, vocal and audible on social media um, you know it's far harder to, to hide from that pressure I would hope that not one of them would think ill of Chris Powell and would want nothing else other than to welcome him back next time wherever he pops up again. I think sadness will be the, the main feeling among Southend United supporters. I think everybody wanted him to do well. Perhaps he would have done well, but not with those injuries. OK, well, the, the sadness in your eyes is kind of bringing down the mood in the studio, so we'll, we'll let you get back to your beloved spreadsheets now, but thanks for joining us. Thank, thanks, man. Stay strong. <laughs> Sam, you're broadly in favour of the decision to get rid of Chris Powell. Maybe not in favour, but you, you sort of understand why they've done it for the reasons we mentioned about about that sort of new manager bounce yeah. that can happen. Yeah, the point Ian just made, I think, you know, looking around at the other clubs, you, you mentioned one or two. You could look at Bristol Rovers as well, the, the boost that they've had from changing the manager. Wally Downs at Wimbledon maybe to a, to a lesser degree, but they've certainly had a, an upturn. 
And if they were to be relegated South End, the owner's really going to come in for a lot of flack. So he can turn around now and say, you know, I did my utmost to, to get an upturn in, in results. Yeah, injuries haven't been kind to them at all. I think maybe missing some leadership, some experience. You know, you're looking at the team. Simon Cox is having a fantastic season, but, you know, he shouldn't be having to play the amount of games probably. And uh, they shouldn't be so reliant on him at this stage of his career. And they, they've had to be. But yeah, especially in the striker department, they've been really um, low. Theo Robinson was allowed to leave in January. Maybe they'll be regretting that now because he just started to notch a few at um, my old club Swindon. Joe, have you got any odds yet on Southend's next manager? I know it's been minutes rather than hours, but you do like to pounce on, on these things. Ricky Duncan, the leader of that fantastic youth academy, is the 7-4 to favourite. Adam Barrett, 4-1. to Ian Holloway's been getting a lot of chat on social media. He's 6-1, to third favourite. And then it's the usual names. You've got Paul Hurst at 7-1, to Steve Evans at 7-1, to I'm sure. These names will crop up a little later when, when talking about other managers' jobs that are available. Yeah, Paul Hurst is the League One David Moyes, basically, isn't he? <laughs> so it's not just Chris Powell who's looking for new employment. Scunthorpe, Sack Stewart, McCall. Uh, fun game. Try and say Scunny Sack Stewart three times. I couldn't really do it once then. They lost at the weekend to managerless Rochdale, as we mentioned. Seven points in nine for them since Keith Hill got the Spanish Archer. Three managers in a year sacked by Scunthorpe. Four defeats in their last five, though they were unbeaten in January. McCall got manager of the month. Andy Dawson will be caretaker manager for the rest of the season, but Matt Dean of BBC Radio Humberside tweeting this morning that Nick Barnby will be joining them in a coaching capacity until the end of the season. Their next games, Wimbledon at home, Shrewsbury away, Burton at home and Blackpool at home. So three of those four going for something, certainly. Ian, looking at the stats and the club's history, it's not really a surprise that they've, they've made this decision. No, although, you know, three managers... Look, my club's had three managers in this season and it, it, it's horrible. For, the fans just don't know whether to stick or twist. It's 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 a thankless task for uh, for Andy to, to come in and try and pick up the pieces from what's happened before. And you're right, I mean, for, to, to go from manager of the month in January to be out the door two months later, it leaves those outside looking in, scratching their heads. When you look at their away form, that, that failed to score in each of the last four away before the, the consolation goal they got at, at Rochdale at the weekend. And they're just one of these clubs caught up in this same maelstrom we're talking about with South End. The actions of other clubs will have probably predicated what the Scunthorpe board have done with, with Stewart, another manager that probably, on balance, doesn't really deserve to have got the bullet. Mm. Yeah, for supporters, it's galling. My team, two-time European champions, Nottingham Forest, haven't kept the same manager through a season since 09-10. Some, I'm guessing, players sort of fall into two categories with this kind of thing. I guess there's the ones who get annoyed about it in the way that we do because they want some consistency and maybe others who think, well, we'll shift the blame on to the manager because he's the one who's got the bullet at the end of the day. Yeah, there's a part of that. that I always used to feel like I'd let the manager down to a, to a certain degree. I think there's a portion of that with every player when a manager loses their job, but... Within that, there'll be players in that squad that Stuart McCall wasn't picking and they will see this as an opportunity to finish the season on a high, maybe get a new contract, maybe be in the team the start of next season. You know, I know it's the chairman's taken full responsibility for this. He doesn't want to be sacking people, I would imagine, because he's going to have to pay managers off and I believe he's still paying off the previous two. We were scratching our heads a year ago when Graham Alexander was uh, dismissed after a, you know, a really good job that he did there. Um, what I will say on it, uh, I think Dawson is very well liked, you know, within the club. I think the chairman was tempted to give him the job early part of the season. He actually came in for one game as the caretaker and they got a draw at home to Barnsley. And I think they had a, a good performance. So this is an opportunity for him to get this job on a long-term basis. He's not going to appoint anyone else to the end of the season. And I presume Nick Barnby was a former teammate of his from Hull City. I don't know. Sometimes it just alleviates a little bit of pressure. Stuart McCall doesn't strike me as someone who rules with an iron fist. Did you ever contact a manager after he'd been sacked that yeah. you played for? Yeah, every time. Every time. And generally, they were really receptive to you know get, you getting in contact. I remember, obviously, I didn't have a good time at Ipswich Town. I remember being on holiday at the end of the year when I heard that Joe Royal had lost his job. I texted him and Joe came back and said... Um, yeah, it didn't go particularly well for you, but I wouldn't be put off signing you in the future. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he must have had a 
he must have had a few beers this afternoon. <laughs> that is crazy. He never worked again, really, Joe, did he, in terms of management? So unless he's going to take me to Everton now, back involved there at one point, wasn't he? Wow, Sam Parking curricula. I had a look at the. <laughs> I had a look at the list of previous uh, Iron bosses in the sixties and seventies. They had Dick Duckworth and then Dick Roots, who, not to mention Dickie Dosh, aka Richard Money, in the nineties. Uh, are there any Dicks currently out of work they could they could turn to? What's Steve Evans looking like in the betting jet? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Andy Dawson uh, is the four to six favourite with Paul Hurst again. Uh, <laughs> second favourite, six to four. Steve Evans, 12 to one third favourite. And then we go into the same old names until you get to Tim Flowers at 16 to one, which looks like an interesting proposition. He's doing very good things at Solihull Moors at the moment. He sure is. Let's get to some stuff that actually happened on the pitch. Shrewsbury nil, Portsmouth 2. Pompey four points behind second place Barnsley. Above Sunderland who they play at Wembley on Sunday. They've really gotten over that slump all of a sudden. They really have, yeah. And um, yeah, I thought that they rode their luck a little bit. Early part of the game looked like McGivory made a, a few saves. And then reliant on, on Pittman, who's been out of the side for a large portion of the last few months. He's been playing as a number 10. First he was off Bogle and then combined with Ollie Hawkins to get the crucial second goal. So Kenny Jackett's found a place for Brett Pittman in the side. I, I think when I've seen him live, he doesn't really have that mobility anymore at the top end of the pitch, Brett yeah. Pittman. So to, to find somewhere where he can still be a catalyst for, for them and be important for them... I think is very good moving forward, but yeah, they're they're right back at it. You know, the midfield was the concern for me, but they picked up some very good results. And having seen Barnsley, I know we'll come on to them, but I'm a little bit concerned about Barnsley. The way he's handled Brett Pittman's been really interesting. Kenny Jacket left him out of squads, given him substitute appearances. Appears to prefer Bogle as a starting striker. Certainly started him on Saturday at the, at the Meadow. So. I don't know whether he's just trying to light a fire under Brett Pittman to sort of get him angry and get him at it. I'll be really interested to see what lineup he picks at Wembley on Sunday. I'm going to be there uh, commentating on that game. I can't wait. 80,000 there. Portsmouth and Sunderland even split between supporters. And Portsmouth, a month ago, you'd have been a little concerned for them going into a final like that, but not now. And Shrewsbury, 19 shots without scoring. That's the kind of thing you see that as a supporter and think, we're going down. Huh? <laughs> yeah, but but they were unbeaten in four at home before that defeat, so that the home form wasn't too shabby under under Sam Ricketts. I watched Shrewsbury a lot last year during the, the, the promotion push, and losing Nolan and Nunciala to Ipswich as they did, sorry, Agogo in, in, in the summer as they did, was a big blow we saw a fair amount of them, mm. didn't we, Sam? We saw them at, at Northampton and, and places like that where Paul Hurst had got them in a terrific position. So, again, they're, they're hanging on by a thread, but they're one of the clubs that have already made a change. Surely they won't make another. <laughs> uh, Burton 5, Accrington 2. I did the highlights of this game. It was crazy. Accrington continuing their slide 2-0 up, conceded just before the break and then it fell apart from them in the second half. John Coleman said, I think, five flattered us. Level on points with Scunthorpe and Wickham, but with two games in hand. Billy Key scores from the spot against his old club, his 16th successful penalty since the start of last season. Lucas Aikins goes on to become Burton's all-time leading EFL scorer in this game. He got a couple. Burton, Sam, they've really turned their form around. They're in the top half of the table, five points off the playoffs. They couldn't, could they? Well, nobody seems to want that sixth position because Doncaster have really suffered the last few weeks. We probably felt Blackpool with the, um, the the recent news there that they were going to get a bit of momentum. That doesn't seem to have happened. So it looks wide open. It, it really does. It was a cracking victory for them considering, you know, two goals behind. Nice, intricate, you know, passing movements that we've grown accustomed to seeing from them, especially in midfield. And a new um, shape for them at the weekend, 4-3-1-2 which a couple of clubs seem to have adopted in the last uh, fortnight or so. And two up front, I think, is certainly what the supporters have been calling out for, which is can be quite repetitive, but it seems to have uh, seen a little bit of an upturn. Fraser in behind Harness and, and Aikens. And you, you can never undervalue getting that goal just before half-time. And I say it a lot on this show, but 2-0 down against a, a good Accrington side, as it was at the weekend. To get that goal just on the stroke of half-time gives you the impetus to, to turn things around. So Burton on the up, as are Oxford Ian, who won 1-0 at Coventry. As I mentioned, they shoot up the table with that. They're up to 13th, albeit only four points above the relegation zone. 13 points from 18 and back-to-back wins for only the second time this season. Carl Robinson, not particularly impressed. We weren't good today, but... 
that's kind of really harmed Coventry's playoff hopes, but in, at the same time, given Oxford a big shot in the arm. Yeah, and they needed it. I mean, but, you know, Carl and, and, and Sean Derry have, have really been struggling to try and get their ethos across to the Oxford players. And I think players like Brannigan have been important for them, sort of driving forward from, from midfield. Curtis Nelson got the winner. Scrappy winner, but they don't care. Does it, it? The style of football doesn't really matter at this point. Now it's about getting over the line. And as you say, it's just showing the absolutely balmy nature of this table that you go up six places from from where they were. I do kind of keep a weather eye on how Oxford are doing because um, I've got to know Sean quite well, uh, Carl's assistant, through working with him on on commentary. So I, I've got a slight soft spot for how they're getting on, which probably doesn't uh, please Coventry fans listening to this. But I, I hope they stay up. Oxford United, I, 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 and I hope they resolve their the, the ridiculous arguments that are going on about Mr. Kazam and the ownership of the ground, and 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 whether they're finally going to get a fourth stand built and whatnot. Oxford fans deserve better than that. They're you know they're being pushed from pillar to post. Not as bad as Coventry fans are, of course, but um, certainly that's an issue I'm keeping an eye on. Luton four, Doncaster nil. Luton twenty six games unbeaten. They're getting a new ground before too long as well. Only Manchester City have scored more goals at home than the Hatters. City fifty three, Luton fifty. Uh, Luke Berry's probably the pick of the bunch here. Kazenga Luwalua Sam with the acrobatics. The younger brother of Lamana Luwalua, uh, the former Pompey, Newcastle, and loads of other teams player. Footballing family also cousin of Yannick Balassi, brother in law of Jan Kermigan. I'm sure you couldn't probably do that acrobatic triple flip. No. Uh, best celebration from you or a teammate? I know you're a big fan. You've often told me about that time you jumped in the snow. Yeah, Andy Rammel. <laughs> it was actually that scored the goal. Yeah, it was in the famous Wickham, the Wickham run. We, we cleared the, the pitch of snow at Adams Park prior to kickoff against Wolves. And yeah, straight in the snow, all of us during the celebrations, which we obviously went on to get to the semi-final that year. That was good. I wasn't one for it. I'm an Alan Shearer, mate. I'm Alan Shearer. I'm just, you know, losing. In terms of celebration. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just going mad. I, I took my shirt off once, but it was probably my finest ever goal against QPR at the county ground. First season at Swindon, 20th goal of the season. and for, Against what, your boyhood club. Against my boyhood club and, yeah, just lost the plot and unveiled a ridiculous amount of chest hair. Uh, never again. Never again. So Full gigsy by the sound. Full gigsy, yeah. Yeah, full gigsy. And I had a couple of mates who wouldn't ordinarily come to the football and after the game they were very confused. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of this game, Luton obviously brilliant yeah. flying. They're going up. Doncaster in this battle to get the last playoff place essentially, but no wins in seven. Have they got it in them to turn it around? I don't know. They had a five-point buffer, didn't they, over uh, over a lot of the, the clubs chasing them, and that of course has now you know evaporated. What was it? They're, they're only a point clear of seventh going into the, the weekend. So Grant McCann's got a lot of work to do to to, to pull them round. Obviously, Luton are, are a slightly different case because they're just steamrolling everybody. And they're doing it without James Collins as well, who was on international duty. So, I mean, that's just, you know, sometimes League One clubs can be really hamstrung by that player that gets called up by their country, but not Luton. They just pile on through. But yeah, I'm a bit concerned for Doncaster, as much as with Coventry as well, these teams that kind of want sixth place but then don't Doncaster Bristol Rovers Walsall Bradford and Plymouth coming up in their near future the other teams around them Peterborough not playing this weekend then they've got Gillingham and Blackpool Blackpool themselves uh, Plymouth and Luton before they play Posh and Coventry at Barnsley Bristol Rovers home and then at Sunderland so tough running for them Walsall nil Barnsley won Sam you covered this game for TalkSport 2 it was James Field and your co-commentator I was with him later on Saturday and he said I was going to say it was alright for a nil-nil right until the last kick of the game essentially <laughs> would that be an accurate summary? Yeah pretty fair uh, Barnsley didn't deserve it at all that's as bad as I've seen them in the last few weeks and months and um, so good defensively seven clean sheets now but they had to rely on a lot of luck at the weekend bad finishing from from Walsall, I mean, I thought Dobson was excellent and also um, Zeli Ismail, the, the wide player. But within that, loads of mobility, loads of direct running and wing play from the front three, actually, who, you know, caused Barnsley a lot of problems. But Cook was sitting on the bench, leading goal scorer. And I just think moving forward, now that they've had another frustrating afternoon where they've played well, but not got the goals. I think sometimes it's got them joy in the last few weeks, but I think you need to get your best goal scorer on the pitch now, now that it's into the nitty gritty. So I would imagine you'll see Cook with a couple of flies either side of him moving forward. But 
Dean Keats would have to have got them in on Monday morning and spoke about the positives because it was a really decent display from them just missing a goal. And, and my concern for Barnsley is I just they just seem to not be as controlled in possession as they once were and they're really missing the goal threat. Whose was that finish that was larruped into the top corner but ruled out for uh, uh, for an infringement? It was Ira Osborne, wasn't it? Oh. I, I just, yeah, I mean, with Barnsley, they, Jacob Brown came back in and McGeehan, who have both been suspended and they looked like they'd missed a bit of football. They were really ring rusty. Missing Kiefer Moore, it's a massive onus on Corley Woodrow to come up with the goods and they're not scoring many goals at the moment. So... We'll see what happens on Sunday with Sunderland against Portsmouth, but if they get a positive victory, Sunderland, and can pick up maximum points in the next league game, you never, you never know. Because of Barnsley, for me, they're feeling the pressure. Yeah, not their best performance, but a lot of time for Daniel Stendel literally applauding his defence during his post-match interview, <laughs> stopping to clap his hands about how good his defence were. Let's get some odds on League One, Joe. Uh, good luck with this. Relegation. A few weeks ago, we, we discussed going all the way up to Burton. Obviously, Burton have, have worked their way out of it. But there's still, what are we, 13 teams in the betting for relegation. And it's it's getting to the point, I'm, the Grand National's only a couple of weeks away. And, and that essentially is a lottery, isn't it? Because there's so many runners and riders. And it's exactly the same here. You've got some teams at really big prices that could easily go down. The likes of... Accrington at 9-1 to one, uh, looked like a decent bet for me to, to get sucked into the relegation zone. Southend 13-8. to eight. Obviously, Bradford, they're only six points away from safety, but they're 1-10 to 10 to go down. Wimbledon, 1-5. to five. Walsall and Rochdale, both odds on again. But it, it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess. You could honestly, you could put a blindfold on, get a bent pin in your hand, and you could pick a team at random, and, and it could be one of them. That's the first time that I've heard that metaphor of a blindfold and a bent pin I'm not going to ask you how you came up with it um, that's League One done next we're going to head into League Two I'm Graham Wilcos here to tell you that the Bradley Wiggins show from Eurosport is back for a brand new series for 20 years I've just been called a hero and a legend you know and other things obviously but only beyond the back <laughs> we'll bring you stage by stage analysis of the Giro d'Italia the World Championships La Vuelta and of course the Tour de France oh, each week, Sir Brad and our panel of cycling experts will be taking a deep dive into the world of two wheels and lycra. Brailsford could put his hand down a toilet and pull chocolate out. The Bradley Wiggins Show from Eurosport is your essential guide to the greatest events in cycling. Subscribe now on Audioboom, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. No way, no way, Manamana. Don't get fresh with me, said the Oval chairman to Darren Way this weekend as they parted company. Not unexpected. Ten defeats in 12 games. They were beaten by high-flying MK Dons at the weekend. He signed a new contract in November through to 2021, so hopefully he'll at least get a decent payoff. Rather terse club statement. Yeovil Town Football Club can confirm that with regret, Darren Way has had his employment with the club terminated and is no longer first team manager. Whilst his dedication, strong work ethic and potential are all clear, the board of directors has been compelled to act as the run of form in 2019 is not acceptable. Neil Marmont has taken on first team manager duty, so they'll be reading from the book of Marmont for the rest of the season. You've got some some inside knowledge on this one, Dan. So the new owners, they had a, a hand in making this decision? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and by the way, that was very partridge, wasn't it, that statement? His contract has been terminated. <laughs> but there's all sorts going on with, with Yeovil. Apparently there was a local consortium that wanted to take control of Yeovil, and I'm led to believe they offered a pretty substantial sum, three and a half million, but were blown out of the water by American owners. And there's something about the land around Hewish Park, whether it's, I think there's public records that show it's been transferred into uh, private ownership. There's something going on that, that doesn't seem right. The supporters are all very much in the dark. I don't think Darren Way was popular, though, was he? I mean, certainly taking the Yeovil supporters I know seem to suggest he was taking too much credit for their victories and not you know, shouldering enough of the blame for the, the run of defeats that, that the Glovers were on. So that's, what, four defeats in a row with that defeat at Milton Keynes, who did play well, and Chucks and EK's goal was was an absolute delight to watch for for their second. It, it's, a, it's a world away from, from the heady days of getting into the Championship, and I, I wonder whether they're casting glances down elsewhere in the West Country to Torquay and seeing what Gary Johnson's doing down there in National League South and thinking... Do we go back and try and persuade him to return? As for MK, Sam, 
comfortable win for them here and all of a sudden looking like they've got the legs to go the distance and maybe Mansfield haven't. But a couple of tough games for them next. Forest Green Rovers, Lincoln and Tranmere all coming up. So it's one thing beating Yeovil at home, mm. but this is where we're going to find out whether they are playoffs or automatic. No, I'm confident. This is the one I've got right in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I fancy MK to cement their automatic position, although Mansfield on the last day could be good fun and, and, and pleased to see my old mucker Ryan Harley getting a, a very typical Ryan Harley goal. So MK looking well placed. You mentioned that last day of the season game between them and Mansfield. It was a really good weekend for Paul Tisdale and the Dons because Mansfield went and lost at home to Crewe. They run out of steam, no wins in three. I'm wondering how costly was that red card for Tyler Walker because it was an injury time, silly, got sent off, missed three games. He's come back and he hasn't scored in the three games mm. since he's been back. Is that a bit simplistic? Is there, is there something deeper going wrong for them? Quite possibly. I mean, they had such a horrendous finish to last season. You know, maybe that's just playing on the players' minds a little bit. I mean, there's there's teams there that are in better form. That's clear. Tranmere, Forest Green coming up as well. And like I just touched on, I feel MK Dons are going to be stronger than, than Mansfield. Brought Nicky Ajose in. He's not got a great return of goals as of yet as well. Um, you know, they were decent in that performance against Lincoln a few weeks ago, but I just feel across the piece, MK Dons are going to have the legs on on Mansfield and they're going to have to do it through the playoffs if they're going to achieve promotion. Yeah, it's actually no wins in four for Mansfield. And the one thing that, that we always talk about at this time of the season, Ian, is you don't want to be going into the playoffs. It's often said that if you finish in the top playoff position, you haven't got much of a chance of going up. The statistics actually don't bear that out, but you, you want to be in reasonable form. That's something that Kenny Jackett was big on at the weekend, wasn't it? If we are to be in the playoffs, we want to be going in in good nick. If Mansfield are going in having not won in a while, that's got to carry over. Which is what happened with Coventry. Last season, that they went in in good nick. Although Notts County thought they were in the box seat, and Coventry did them in the in the semi-finals, albeit with a controversial goal at one point. I seem to remember in the was it the first or second leg. But there's a number of clubs kind of bubbling under. I, I, I agree with Sam about Milton Keynes. I think they will drive their way through to ensure automatic uh, behind Lincoln and, and Berry, and then it's just a question of the other three spots and whether Crew who, who only had one win in, in 12 before they went to Field Mill, can keep that sort of consistency going. They might have something to say about top seven. You just don't know. It's it's, a, it's a, an, another strange old division, not quite as balmy as League One, but there's a few clubs scrapping it out to try and get involved at the, uh, at the shake-up for the top seven, I think. Yeah, and one of those are Tranmere, six wins in a row, looking for back-to-back promotions potentially. 2-0 at Colchester, massive contrast between between they and Macclesfield, who they came up with last season. Sam, I know you all want to throw some love the way of James Norwood. 26 goals this season, eight in his last nine after finding the net here. It makes such a difference if you've got somebody at the top end of the pitch who's producing those kind of numbers. Yeah, and you, you forget that they had Cook as well last year at Walsall, so they play a, a slightly different way now. And... Yeah, it was a really accomplished finish from him. It's not something that I've seen too readily from him, you know, running that length of distance to get a little finish. And he looked like he was just running out of steam. He prefers, you know, to be in and around the 18-yard box, little balls down the side. But he had a lot of thinking time on that occasion. But no, he stuck it away brilliantly. And I think that's the fourth uh, straight game he scored in. That's the first time in his career, which surprised me somewhat. But no, very good away performance and good players, you know, all over the top end of that pitch. Caprice, Jennings involved for the second goal and Perkins back at Colchester against the former club. I think there was question marks about his signing because of his age and he got a goal and assist at the weekend and he could be proved to be very vital for, for Mickey Mellon. So no, they're in tremendous shape and they've got the experience as well, Dance, of the last two, I think, playoff campaigns. Yeah. So... You know, the face Forest Green who are in there a few years ago. You know, that could count for something, couldn't it, when you get to that knockout stages. And at the flip side of that result is Colchester. who Three defeats in a row. Three defeats in a row. And, you know, they seemed... I thought they were starting to get back some of the form that they had before Christmas and New Year, but that seems to have dissipated. And I think that's 11 goals conceded in their last five. So they've got to start learning to shut up shop to give them half a chance. But, yeah, so they're outside the top seven. They've got work to do. What about Sol Campbell, trademark Sol Campbell's Macclesfield going tortoise over here in their bid for escape, leaving it till the 93rd minute to snatch a draw against Stevenage. 2-2 it finished, two points separate them and Yeovil. Uh, they've got Lincoln up next. If they do it, Sam, and Macclesfield fans aren't going to appreciate me saying this, but 
Sol Campbell deserves a job at a higher level next season, doesn't he? He goes up to League One, does he not? I mean, this is an act of escapology that David Blaine would have been proud of. I know he, we've thought, oh, he's changed his team around and stuff yeah. quite a lot. And, and he seems to be somebody who's cr- criticised readily and maybe potentially unfairly sometimes. They look dead and buried when he went in there and they're, they're right in with the shout of staying up there. They did. They did. And they've got a great opportunity of um, overtaking Yeovil, you know, Notts County would be very disappointed with that, you know, home reverse against Exeter. But no, I mean, Macclesfield have given themselves an incredible opportunity. I've read some criticism about his setup, considering it was a home game against Stevenage, playing essentially five at the back. You know, we're not talking about flying wing backs here. We're talking about being very resolute and, and safety first in a home game when it's pretty imperative they start getting maximum points from some of these games. So there's still a little bit of negativity there, but you can never have it both ways. And reliant on two veterans to get them out the mire rose with the beautiful through ball for the first goal and then Whitaker, who is obviously uh, a legend in those parts coming up in the last minute to get a, a crucial goal against the Stevenage uh, I spoke about them last week they they're a tough team Stevenage and with Newton back as well at the top of the pitch with Alex Ravel they've got goals and they've got good players wide in in Elias chair who I spoke of as well so I mean, it could turn out to be a good point, but I think the fans just want to see them go a little bit gung-ho from the off. We took a call, Matt, from a Macclesfield fan on TalkSport in the last hour of our show on Saturday afternoon. Thoroughly unimpressed with Sol Campbell and would far rather have Whitaker in charge to see them over the line. He sounds like he was... What Sam was saying there about what's the formation, what's the plan, what's the... They can't see an identity in what Sol Campbell's trying to do. At least this fan couldn't. And he claims he's speaking for a... Sizable contingent of Macclesfield's fans. But the fact that they're in touch with Yeovil and others, but that's testament to what Sol has done. And also Neil at, at, at Notts County, even though to lose to 10-man Exeter with pretty much the last kick of the game is a proper wounder at Meadow Lane. They're going to have to really pick themselves up in training this week. That can't have been a, a good Monday morning to have walked back in to the training ground there. But look, Sol's got them there or thereabouts and he, he deserves some credit for that surely despite what some Macclesfield fans were telling us. Also still in trouble at the foot of League 2 a Port Vale beaten 2-0 at home by promotion chasing Forest Green Rovers but the real story here again is Norman Smurthway. He, he looks like a friendly chap and he's got a funny name but uh, Port Vale fans not particularly amused by him. He says the football club has to trade through to the 5th of May and it will. I'll pay off all the bills up to that point after the 5th of May I will not put one cent more into the club he then added I've empowered the chief executive to deal with anybody who's in a position to buy the football club and be in situ by 5th of May and pass all the requirement tests if they meet that deadline great if they don't the club will go into administration and it will get a 12 point deduction good news potentially for Notts Macclesfield and Yeovil not for Vale sounds pretty heartless Ian I mean the supporters have been voicing their displeasure with with protests before and during games over over the last few weeks is this what's got his back up it just feels like a really cruel way to to try and hurt a football club. Well, I'm led to believe that, that there is another bid, there is an interested consortium. I think they've offered three and a half million. I think that's in the last 24, 48 hours, there's been significant interest shown in Port Vale. Whether that is Smurthwaite's asking price, I'm afraid I don't know. I, 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 but it doesn't sound like a paltry offer for a club like Port Vale that have struggled towards the foot of League Two for a, for a few seasons now. John Askey was unbeaten in four before that that loss to, to to Forest Green at the weekend. So he's tried his best on the field to try and, you know, get some results together. And, you know, 20th place before the weekend. Looked like there was there was a bit of hope. But Smirthwaite he's a bit of, there's a bit of sabre rattling going on there, isn't there, Sam? You know, it's he, he's looking to either smoke out potential buyers <laughs> but he's he's not winning a charm offensive with any supporters, are they? But and, and Port Vale fans are it's not quite the Blackpool level of staying away in their droves, is it? But you know, uh, it was noticeable, wasn't it, when you saw the goals? And yeah, particularly there's obviously the stand where the away supporters are, but yeah. at the other end, look really, really sparse. The Wembley populated. of the North, they used to call <laughs> Vale Park, and it's not as densely populated as, as Wembley usually is at the moment. So there's there's a club in desperate need of a feel-good factor. I said that earlier on in the season and Joe picked me up on it and said it's the Midlands and I said it was referred to as the Wembley of the North. I was just thinking it's there's no way that Port Vale is the North but I was um, keeping my powder dry on that one. Uh, Joe, odds-wise for relegation, we've got 
obviously Notts and Macclesfield in the two spots at the moment, but Yeovil can't be far behind them in the betting by now. Anybody else down there too? No, as as they have been all season, pretty much all season, Notts County and Macclesfield rods on. County 2-7, Macclesfield 4-9. to nine. But obviously we, we just talked about the job that Sol Campbell's done, getting them to within touching distance. They were at one point in the season, 1-33 to to go down. So, big change there. And, of course, with Yeovil dropping like they have done, they are at even money, so only a point above going odds-on for relegation themselves. There is a big gap then in the betting to Morecambe, who are 16-1, to and the rest of the teams are 20-1 to or bigger. Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast for TV fans by TV fans, dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand. When I first got into this, I was worried about bad reviews. And then I realise it didn't hurt. But I say thank you to the nice ones. On my Sky Planner, you will see things like wheeler dealers, the world's most luxurious airliners. <laughs> it's Mr Saturday Night himself. <laughs> it's Sam O'Leary. Ready for your Tuesday morning commute. Series linked with me, Emma Bullymore and Mark Jeffries. Right, let's have a look at some of the games coming up this weekend. I want to start with the game that you're going to dance, the the EFL Trophy Final. We've we mentioned that the EFL will be absolutely delighted that it's Sunderland v Pompey and, and not Swansea under-21s v Chelsea or whoever. It's sold out. It's The fact that they're both going for promotion as well just adds yeah. a little something else to it. You know, red versus blue. Wembley's going to look amazing for this game. It, it is going to be, be I can't wait. I mean, it, it, the, the, the EFL Trophy deserves a final like this because it's a much maligned competition. And... Sunderland have got past a couple of juicy under-21 sides to get to this stage. Obviously, once they got out of the group stage, they had to get past Manchester City and Newcastle. I saw both those games up at the Stadium of Light. And, yeah, they totally deserved it. You would think, oh, Manchester City under-21s, they're going to stick. Not a bit of it. It was completely Sunderland dominating a young Manchester City team. So they fully deserve their opportunity. And goodness only knows Sunderland need a bit of a... Supporters need a, a day out at somewhere like Wembley. Last time there was there was the League Cup final against Manchester City, wasn't it? A few years ago, where it kind of went wrong for them. It's a very even contest, very very even contest. We've spoken about Portsmouth and the the, the changes that, that that Kenny's made with Sunderland and Jack Ross. Uh, he's one that's improved morale without question. Up at the Stadium of Light, and has got people uh, enjoying their football. Uh, this kid Duncan Watmore, having come back from that hellish injury uh, run he's been in. I think he's being handled with kid gloves up to this point. I wonder whether he might end up, you know, having a say on the lush, wide-open spaces of Wembley Stadium in a final like that. Lee Catamore will almost certainly get booked. <laughs> he's a walking yellow card, isn't he? But th- that's what he does. That that That's kind of his... He's the enforcer. Goal machine as well. This uh, yes, I did that, which is something he never had in his armoury before. You're quite right. I can't call it. I don't know whether Sam can. We've got to go as neutrals. I mean, producer Abby making a great point. It would be a fantastic episode for season two of Sunderland Till I Die. Mm. But but on the bloke that you brought up the other week, the old fellow, what was he, 90? Yeah. And those lads went and got him a ticket. We've got to be wanting Sunderland to win for him, haven't we, if nothing else? Uh, Yeah, maybe. Um, Well, Portsmouth won the FA Cup not so long ago, didn't they? 2008, yeah. And Sunderland have got Mickey Gray, haven't they, against Charlton. Yeah, we'll go go for Sunderland. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that could happen again, though, couldn't it? I was thinking that. Sunderland, Charlton's quite... Could be quite likely for a, um, a playoff play final. Yeah. Clive Mendonca and all that. <laughs> Those were the days. In terms of the championship games, there's one that leaps off the page, not just because you're here, Dance. West Brom versus Birmingham. Yep. Friday night. Good luck to the stewards for that one. West Brom's, home, on. <laughs> West Brom's home record, not great. So actually, this might be a decent opportunity. Gary Monk can say, listen, backs against the wall with what's happened. Local derby. We can go and get something here against the team flimsy at home. Absolutely. I can only imagine that that's exactly the point that he will have been hammering home to his players on uh, on the training ground at West Hills this week, that West Brom look a little shaky at home, but uh, a derby game will level a lot of that out, I'm sure. And, you know, Jimmy Shan's done OK, hasn't he? Uh, West Brom sort of um, picking up the slack after Darren Moore's departure. I'm sure they still have designs on automatic West Brom. I'm sure they haven't given that up, the fact that they can still try and get in there and mix it with with Sheffield United and Leeds and Norwich. But it's going to take a fairly Herculean effort. It's going to take championship form, I think, an average of two points a game, you'd say, for them if they are going to get back involved. But that that's exactly the sort of form that Norwich and Sheffield United are in 
most definitely leads are a bit feast or famine at the moment. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can, as Steve, can we go there? Can we? Can we go there and, and get the right result and all the rest of it? But uh, a player like Che Adams needs to start scoring again. He's, he's been off the boil lately. In terms of League One, Sam, Scunthorpe v Wimbledon is one that, that catches the eye for obvious reasons with the new uh, Scunthorpe manager. Wimbledon, bad defeat for them, having having turned it round a bit, losing 4-2 at home to Gillingham. That or Barnsley versus Coventry, which which one of those are you going to be keeping close tabs on? I just think there's something on every fixture, really. I mean, there's nothing in the championship that jumps out at you, but you think some of the big clubs will maybe come a cropper against the, the team they're expected to beat. I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to see how Barnsley responds, certainly. Doncaster Walsall as well, just because I've seen those two clubs in recent weeks and... Doncaster are sliding. John Marquis is not scoring. Wilkes is not scoring. Kane is not fit or not in form. All those players that I've waxed lyrically about. You say that hurt you, didn't it? Say Kane not in form. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, everything. I've always questioned Doncaster a little bit defensively, but going forward, I thought they'd been excellent this season. So I'm really, you know, concerned about their form and just seeing what that good performance Walsall had against. Barnsley, what effect that will have for Dean Keats's men, and interesting to see if he mixes it up personnel-wise as well going into that one. But massive repercussions both ends of the table. And League Two, Tranmere versus Carlisle. You look at that and and think that is very much form versus lack of form. Carlisle, we've spoken about a fair bit over the last few weeks. Not really happening for for Stephen Presley there, but it would be pretty football-like if they went to Tranmere, who look unbeatable at the moment, and got something. And they kind of need to to keep themselves in contention. Just one win in nine for Carlisle and um, two-two against Cambridge. Last weekend, yeah, it's a bit concerned for the Cumbrians that they seem to have um, lost a bit of their way. Tranmere, though, we've we've spoken about them. They're just they've adapted to this division quite brilliantly. I, I fancy Tranmere heavily for that one. All right, well that's that then. Another week where the EFL gave us plenty to chat about. Ian, thanks for stepping off the bench. Sam, Joe, thanks as ever for your company and you too, dear listener. Until next time. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts, and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.